Hey, Owen, good morning, everybody. My name's Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. It's April 4th, 2023. Thanks so much for being with us today. We have a real treat for you. We've got Dr. Christina Grant here. I have to thank my friends, Carol Fenerji, et cetera, over at CCSSO, the Castle Chief State School Officers. Dr. Christina Grant is the State Superintendent of Education in Washington, D.C. Okay, yes, they have a State Superintendent of Education, and we're going to find out what her role is in, in, in the, and how it works and all that sort of thing, because there's both a federal and a municipal hierarchy there. Okay, and I think also, and I'll bring Christina on in just a few minutes, Dr. Grant, Okay, I believe she has a Philadelphia connection, so I'll let her know that I was, I'm from Philly. Okay, I live in Maine now, but I'm from Philly. So we're talking about her connection to Philly and all the good work she's doing in Washington, D.C. On today's podcast, we're going to archive the show, just so you know, over at ace-ed.org, our home website for the American Consortium for Equity in Education. If you go to the podcast link, you'll see all the podcasts that we've done, our magazine is up there. We're going to put the new issue up probably tomorrow. I found that late yesterday afternoon. All right. It's a pretty good issue, and we're going to really enjoy getting that new information out to you. But, of course, we have all the issues of the equity and access over there. We're very proud of our online journal, and I hope you go over there. Everything we do at ace-ed.org is free. It's all about equity. It's all about access. Okay. We're concerned about teacher retention. We'll talk to Dr. Grant about that today and SEL and all that sort of stuff as we come out of the uh, pandemic and get into a, not the recovery mood, we'll talk about this with Dr. Gray, we're going to talk about the post-recovery mood. So it's all good stuff, go over there, it's all free at ace-ed.org. And without further ado, let me bring on Dr. Christina Grant. Good morning, Christina. My name is Larry Jacobs, call me Larry. Can I call you Christina, Dr. Grant? You got a doctor, can I call you Christina? <laughs> of course you can, Larry. Good morning, and good morning, good everyone. Morning. Good morning to you. And I have to ask, what's the Philly connection? Talk so to I, was a chief of charter, I was a chief of charter schools and innovation in Philadelphia for several years. Um, and I love Philly. What part of Philly are you from? I'm from West Philly, Overbrook Park. I graduated Overbrook High School. Of course you did. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, 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 the castle on the hill. You, you don't want me to sing the song upon the hilltops, graceful heights. Her spires against the blue. For some reason, it's been a long time, Christina, but I still remember it. There stands a school of legend bright, of inspiration true. Okay, good old Overbrook High, the Panthers. Okay, which, by the way, I always love to say this, Will Chamberlain and, and Will Chamberlain, Wiley Jones, and Will Smith all graduated there. So, Trust okay, me, I mean, good, I'm, I'm well good. aware. <laughs> all the W guys, okay? Willie? Wilt and Walt. Okay, there you go. So it's been, it's been pretty good. <laughs> and, and welcome on an Amtrak ride down to D.C., okay? I'm up here in Maine now, so it's good. How's the weather down there in D.C. today? You know, it's, it's actually quite, it's quite nice outside. We'd love for folks to come visit. It is cherry blossom season, and so yeah. it is a beautiful time to come visit the district, uh, seeing the blossoms in full bloom and getting some time you know, visiting the monuments and spending time in yeah. the district is always great. We have beautiful weather right now. Yeah, it's a good place. I hope everybody gets a chance to go and see it. 
Okay, it's really it's really something to see. I, I have to ask you something. This has been I've been researching this this morning and I've been trying to figure it out. Okay, what's the hierarchy of the management of DC schools? And I kind of mentioned this as I was introducing it because DC is a federal city and also a, obviously a, a huge metro area in and of itself. Okay, and you are the state superintendent. All right, but I, I believe there's also a chancellor, of, and I may be wrong there. How's the, how's the hierarchy work in D.C.? It's a great question. Um, you know, as many individuals know, uh, D.C. is a mighty city on the journey to be a state. Um, we have around 700,000 residents and a little over 96,000 students in our public yeah, wow. K-12 system. And so our system functions, you know, a lot like many other states. Uh, I'm a state superintendent the same as the state superintendent of Maryland or Virginia. And so our state education agency serves as the bridge to the federal government in terms of funds, grants, compliance, oversight, et cetera. So everything from assessment to special education, we do the full functioning of work as any SEA would do across the country. But you are right in naming that our traditional public school system is DCPS, and then we have several LEAs that serve as charter schools. And so across our ecosystem, uh, we have, you know, DCPS, which serves roughly 50,000 students, and then our remaining 46,000 or so attend a range of charter schools across the district that serve students pre-K through adulthood. Um, at Aussie, again, serving as the state education agency for a city that's not a state, we oversee <laughs> education policy and compliance across the continuum. So we have a robust early childhood um, yeah, ecosystem. Good. DC leads good. the nation in early childhood provisions. And so we have over 400 providers. We have a very well-known subsidy program. We work really hard to ensure that our littlest learners have access to great education and intervention services, arguably from birth through the time they enter kindergarten. And then we have a robust set of support for our adult learners. Um, I always say that ASI is an SEA and we have many LEA functions. And so we provide transportation services for all of our special education students. We oversee all of our scholarship oh. programs like DC TAG um, and Mayor Scholars and DC Futures. Uh, and so we play this interesting role of being the state, but because of our uniqueness of size, yeah. we do take on certain LEA functions uh, for the betterment of all of our students. And, you know, in terms of governance, you know, I am the state superintendent, then we do have a chancellor of DCPS, and then we have an executive director of our public charter school board. Well, um, and in our <laughs> ecosystem, we have mayoral control. Yeah, exactly. That's a lot of layers of control. Was it hard to get used to that? I would imagine it is hard to get used to it. Because again, although I understand the whole thing, but it is a city. Okay, was it hard to get used to? I'm just curious. You know, interestingly, it wasn't. Um, because in Philadelphia, I ran the charter school's office, but I also oversaw 20 or so high schools directly run by the school district. I'd always yep. tell individuals, like, tell me your challenge, and then I'll tell you the pathway of oversight to solving it. Because some issues, it was directly the board. Some, it would be the superintendent. Some, it would be council. 
In this instance, it's actually clearer. I report to the mayor. Um, we do a lot of our work with our State Board of Education and super thankful to them. We are in the process now of revising our social studies standards and like they are the entity that revise our standards. They approve graduation changes. They help us make revisions to our accountability system, which is work we did last year. And then ultimately we are we go through all of our process through our city council, which plays, you know, the legislative function should things need to be tweaked or changed, they oversee the final budget. But it's actually kind of clear. Uh, we, we serve at the pleasure of, of Mayor Bowser. She's an exceptional leader um, and is seeing us through yes, yes. what I've called um, this recovery space to what we want to get to, which is what we call restoration, as we're all coming out of the realities of this global pandemic. Yeah, it, it's really something. So, Mayor, the way you just explained it, Mayor Bowser appointed you. Is that correct? That's correct. And in this structure, um, I was appointed by Mayor Bowser, and then I go through a full confirmation hearing through our legislature. And so, wow. that's another. Yeah. That's another. It is. It's 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 really interesting the way this whole thing shakes out. I mean, it's a lot of layers. But it is a federal city, and it's it's just interesting. And thank you for that good explanation. And you're right; she is a good leader. Okay, so I'm, I'm glad, obviously, because she appointed you, Christina. So that's great. Okay, <laughs> it really. And on that note, so you know, how how are DC schools doing? And to me, and, and I, I always say this: they should be, and I hope they are, the shining star of an urban district because. That should, it's Washington, D.C. It's our nation's capital. How are we doing? That was very kind. Um, I think, you know, there, there are a couple of metrics I'll list to say, like, you know, from data, I feel like we are doing very well. And then there's just reality that I'll speak to. You know, on its surface, okay. we are in, we've collected all of our enrollment figures for this year. We have increased enrollment across all of our schools, both public mm -hmm. and um, public charter. And so what we know is recovering from the pandemic, you know, the first test is, you know, have the children returned to school? And we know that we have more children in our system. Families are choosing us. They are themselves recovering from a pandemic. And um, yes, I are. think anyone who's reflecting over the last three years, you know, getting our system reopened, keeping our schools opening, and then launching school again this year and seeing families stay in lockstep with us on that journey, having increased enrollment is a great indicator around, like, the performance of our overall system. We also saw that we have increased graduation rates, which have continued to remain steady over the last several years. Good. Again, another indicator that Folks are coming into our system, they're getting, they're receiving in an education, and then we are transitioning them. I think the, the obvious area where everyone is focused is on academic acceleration and the learning of our students. Uh, as yep. you know, we both took our NAEP assessment last year, and we also administered our PARC assessment for the first time, uh, as D.C. had a waiver on instruction during the pandemic. Oh. Sorry, on assessment during the pandemic. Um, <laughs> And so I know that would have been a just a new word. No, <laughs> we had a waiver on uh, assessment. I know someone on the other side. instruction. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, someone on my comp team is like, "What happened?" Um, no, we uh, had a waiver on our assessments for two years, and so yeah. administering the full suite of our assessments last year and seeing um, a how our schools were ready and eager to receive the data and B, what the data showed us, which was, you know, a significant decline in ELA, a significant decline in math, 
that really gave yeah. us all, you know, the purpose of assessments are to give us the roadmap, show us where we are, and, and push us forward. That's where everyone is focusing right now. Uh, we've made so many investments in um, academic acceleration and making sure that our schools are open, our children are safe, our teachers have the yeah. tools and resources that they need to be exceptional, and thinking of all the innovative ways that we can add additional support to hopefully uh, continue to show an increase in, in learning um, as measured by the assessments that we administer. Yeah, and, and believe me, I hope, I hope it all works out. One of the challenges out there right now, and I'm curious how you're doing in a big, a huge uh, urban district, is teacher retention, okay? And that mm-hmm. has a lot to do with, the, with, the, with uh, you know, kids learning, quite obviously. All right. And, you know, we can't just put warm bodies up there. We need qualified people. And in a large urban district, and I, I hope we can talk about this. OK, I hope we're trying to convince a lot of kids of color to become educators and stay in the district. OK, and work this to, to better the schools, et cetera. How are we doing with with, um, with teacher retention in the district and maybe even teacher recruitment? And by the way, Christina, feel free to do a pitch to get teachers to teach there. I'm happy that you teed me up. Because that's exactly where I was heading. Uh, DC is hiring across our entire ecosystem. And so if you want to serve at one of our public charter schools or at DCPS, you know, visit us at, at dc.gov and we will point you in the right direction. Um, because we do want our educators to come into the district, thrive in the district. You know, you could teach for 20 years or you could teach and that be the road to take you, you know, on through even to the superintendency. We do want great educators with our children. And you raise a really important question. I think teacher retention, again, is at the top of mind of everyone because teachers were were truly impacted going through this process. Um, if, If any of... I was a teacher and many of the listeners or are as well. And, you know, that mm-hmm. moment in March 2020 when you go home and you shift and you're like, oh, I have to do all of this on a laptop. Um, I had my goddaughter with me through most of COVID and watching her teachers pivot and, you know, be creative. We were doing science experiments in the kitchen, like things <laughs> yeah. that, you know, only if you were living through this with a child and having an educator on the other side of the screen do you realize just how much our teachers shifted, built new skills, were flexible, and now coming back into the classroom, they are navigating a new space, like reestablishing culture with students, setting new norms, establishing, like, what took place in the classroom, and making sense of what took place when students were learning from home. All of that, you know, equals ensuring that we have great educators in classrooms that have what they need. In terms of our work, We've just released our educator retention brief, and what we see is that we did have a spike in um, numbers last school year, but we still have retention numbers that are higher than they were prior to the pandemic, and that tells us two things. One, you know, our educators are sticking with us, but we still have to ensure that we have great teachers in our classroom. And you raised the point that was, um, which, which I think most people don't know, but most teachers live within 20 miles of the school district that they graduated from. So our teachers are in our high schools now, um, and we are doing all sorts of things to navigate ensuring that we have great individuals. And so in D.C., we are making huge investments in our Grow Your Own program. That's covering Mm -hmm. the cost of tuition 
see high school students and paraprofessionals who are entering the teaching profession and making a commitment to our system in future years. That is one huge way to tell someone, like, we will be with you on this journey. I think you, you will hear a lot about teacher apprenticeships and how effective they've been. Uh, the mayor has recently announced a new $1.6 million investment for us to begin planning and implementing a teacher apprenticeship program in the district. It's a part Good. of our current FY24 budget proposal. Um, and we are really, really excited about building out the apprenticeship and taking individuals on the journey to becoming an educator and staying in the classroom. Other things that I'd highlight is, you know, it's also ensuring that teachers have access to strong professional development and making yeah. sure that they have access to, you know, latest break, latest and best practices that they can use in the classroom. And for us, that's everything from ensuring that our educators have access to training on the science of reading, that they have foundations in special education. We have yep. an entire training set up just on dyslexia awareness. And we're going to oh. keep ensuring that we're pushing out that work um, to make sure that teachers can, can have their learning as they are the imparters of learning. I, I think I, I think all that's great, and I, and I hope I truly do. It it works fantastically. And on the second part of my question, I just I always like to ask this because it, to me it's very important that the uh, that we set up role models and kids have to see themselves as as, as educators, as teachers, etc. And and this is a, you have a huge urban district, a lot of African American people, a lot of people of color, etc. And I, and I'm curious how we are, are they sparking an interest in education. Uh, it, to me, it, it's just so darn important. And I got to remember, since we have the Philly connection, I mean, I, I remember we had, that wasn't a majority, but we had a lot of teachers of color when I was at Overbrook. And yeah. I'm talking many, many, many years ago. I mean, and th there was never, there was, I always say this to people, we never thought of them as people of color. We just thought of them as our teachers. Okay. There, there was no difference between any given teacher, one to the other. And, but it is important. Okay. For, for kids of color to see these people, all right? And I'm curious, how are we doing on that? Do they understand the value of this and how important it is? I, I just want to get that emphasized across here. Christina. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, for me, when I think about that question, obviously I'm a woman of color and, yes, you, you know, having, having access to teachers, leaders, et cetera, of color are critically important. We work in D.C. to ensure that, our teachers, are, our students are able to see themselves in classrooms, be it race, color, gender, sexual orientation, religion, et cetera. And so we're working hard to make sure that we have the right partnerships um, with institutions that are going to bring a wide range of individuals into the classroom to serve our students because it's important for students to be able to have access Two things to be true, that they have great educators who are fired up and ready yeah, to teach them, but that those educators are grounded in principles of equity, that they are very prepared for the content that they'll be delivering, and that they represent the vast array of experiences that our children will have coming into the classroom. I talk at length about, you know, what it means when I say out loud that I was a first-generation college graduate, that my parents were working class. All those little things matter as a child is thinking about what could be possible for them. Yes. And, you know, I'm biased yes. that we educate children in Washington, D.C. 
Um, it's a cornucopia of learning. You know, all of our museums yeah, are free, and you know, yeah, students have an opportunity yeah. to to see so many things. You know, right back in their backyard. I think about our teachers of the year. Our current teacher of the year, Coach Roundtree, is a physical um, education teacher yeah. at uh, Central City Charter School. And one of his activities with his students was more than just like jumping jacks and, you know, physical activity. He literally did a food walk with students and like showed them their environment in terms of nutrition and what they have access to and how they can make smart choices with their eating. And, you know, Coach Roundtree, he is the individual that students see when they first arrive to school in the morning. He's often the last person they see when they go home. Those are the types of educators that we're proud to have in our system. And, you know, Coach Roundtree is a man of color. And so we pay so much attention to that um, because it's it's the relationship um, between a child and a caring yeah, adult. It makes a difference. That literally makes the difference. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, it, it 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 really. What does Coach Roundtree coach, by the way? What's he coach? No, we just call him Coach. He's a physical oh. health teacher after the sorry. whole school. He's a physical health <laughs> educator. What you were saying? He's, yeah, I just wanted to. Find no, out I know. What he's yeah. When we came, when we gave out the award, they were like, "No, superintendent, everyone calls him coach." And so now <laughs> it's become part of our like it's our verbiage. We all call him Coach Roundtree. But spending <laughs> the day with him, it just it emphasizes your point. Um, that's also a school where the principal's own son goes to the school, right? And so we are trying to create schools and learning environments where we would send our own children where they are loved, where they are taken care of, where adults that look and sound like them and represent the vastness of D.C. can play out in every single school that we have across the district. Here, here. I couldn't agree. I, I, I only hope that is true, and I'm sure it is. I had a question for you. You brought this up a couple of times. When you were describing the district, and actually you were in charge of this in Philly too, you talked about uh, public, quote, quote, your regular schools and charter schools. Okay, and I think you said it's about half and half in terms of uh, uh, um, uh, registration. That about about mm-hmm. ninety-six thousand is like fifty and forty-six between quote regular school, I'll call it, and charter school. And this is interesting. I had a guest on last week who I really liked, but he he really he felt, and I, I don't necessarily agree with this, that charter schools really aren't public schools. That we got to get back to quote public schools. And now I'm talking to you, and you have put the two back together again, which is really the way I feel about it, okay? But I'm curious, as you look at the charter schools in D.C., and I'll call them the public schools in D.C., okay, what's the difference between the two? Why would a parent or a student pick one over the other? I mean, that's a great question. That's a great question. I would start by saying, you know, charter schools are public schools. They have by legislation. Um, They have boards, they have, you know, a list of operating procedures, they fall within our compliance structure as it relates to federal reporting, etc. And so in all ways, we in D.C. say charter schools are public schools, and we differentiate them between one being our traditional system and one being several LEAs that operate via the existence of the charter. I think to your to your broader question, you know, we believe that parents should be equipped with information that allows them to make 
the best decision for the education of their child. Um, and for some families, you know, we had a robust lottery process in D.C. Mm -hmm. that has just concluded, and so families are learning their matches. We're really excited that we were able to match 74% of families with their first choice, oh, nice. and that could have CPS school or a charter school, but that's a choice that parents get to exercise based on a whole host of factors that exist between that parent, that child, and the school community mm -hmm. that they choose. And, you know, that's how we operate in D.C., and I don't tend to weigh in on, on you know, other conversations. I just say that, you know, charter schools are, are public schools, and we have systems of accountability for our traditional system, and we have systems of accountability for our public charter system. And we really do leave it up to parents to make a choice. And, you know, I get the, the great fortune of being the superintendent over all of them. So I don't yeah, ever yeah. really pitch against each other because I've seen, I've seen. No, and I didn't mean it that way. Both, if, it came, if it came out that way, I didn't mean it that way. But I was congratulating no, 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 you on, no, no. yeah, it was the partnership between the, the two, the way you were presenting, which I thought was great. Okay. I, I, I really do. Does each charter school in D.C., this is a weird question, have its own, quote, superintendent? Like, there could be a system of five charter schools that's called the ABC charter system. Do they have their own superintendent, and then they come back and talk to you? How's, it, how's, it, how's that hierarchy work? So it depends on the structure of the school and, and the scale and the size. Um, we have one chancellor who oversees all of DCPS, and then across uh -huh. charters, you know, some, some are called principal, some are called executive director. We have some ah, that have okay. a CEO, and that's largely yeah. because they have more school, they have more campuses. Uh, but, you know, I was a charter CMO leader, and in that role, I was called the superintendent, but we operated yeah. multiple schools across multiple states. Um, we just try to get very disciplined on, you know, who is the leader of the organization, who is running which campus, and that, that occurs in charters all across the country. So we always yes, try to put norms on what are the names of the roles in the system that you're operating in. But here, individuals know, like state superintendent, oh, that's our state education agency, chancellor, that's DCPS. And then with each specific charter, we understand who is the most senior leader of that entity. And, you know, it's so interesting. The education landscape, of course, adding in the pandemic, really has changed. Okay, and, and districts have to be very aware of that. And I love the way the district in D.C., if I may call it that, is shaping up. Because, and it, 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 you have to do this. Philly, obviously, is doing it, too. They had you there. Okay, and you have to recognize that, that one size doesn't fit all anymore. All right, when I was a kid, believe me, it was just one district. Okay, and I'll tell you this one. We had the same superintendent. God knows how many years, but all 12 years I was there was the same superintendent. His name was Dr. Alan Wetter, okay? And he signed every one of my report cards, Christina, okay? K-12. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, those are the good old days, all right? When it was one system, but things have changed, all right? And we have to recognize that, okay? And I, and I, I love the way the district is accommodating that, okay? And I think it's extremely important to meet the needs of the, of the uh of the of the kids and of the parents, as long as it's well managed and they don't go off mm -hmm. the deep end, you know, they have to be managed academically, okay, to make sure it's up to standards. But I, I think that's great the way you're doing it, the choice the folks are giving it. But it does add another layer into the whole managerial structure, but probably in the 
long run, it's going to be better for everybody. I'm really convinced about, about that. So I think what you're doing is, is absolutely terrific. So what happens next in D.C.? What are you looking to do? I mean, we're, we're staying the, the course goal? to become the best urban school system in America. Uh, I, you know, right now I want to send, you know, hugs and loves to all of our learners across the district because we are <laughs> in assessment season. Um, and, you know, we're, we're telling families to give out powerments and making sure folks are tucked in at night and up and ready to, to do their best uh, and show us what they know. And so excited to be in our assessment season. But what's next next, you know, we're reimagining so many different things. What you said about the pandemic is 100% true. We learned so much um, in all of the navigation and flexibility and, and et cetera that, you can't go through something like that and not get better. And so we're making huge investments here, here. in reimagining high school, reimagining high school to have it centered around what our students need. Um, one thing we're so excited about, we launched the Advanced Technical Center in August of last Great. year at Trinity University where we have students taking one course of CPE, dual enrollment, college course credit. Uh, a day, and they're doing it on Trinity's campus with Trinity professors, and then they're going and traveling back to their high schools. And even in the fall semester, our students earned what would be the equivalent of $300,000 in tuition. That's free for them. Wow. So we're reimagining, <laughs> yeah, wow. we're reimagining, yeah. like, what high schoolers need and, and, and rethinking things like CTE. Like, CTE is not – our parents' CTE. CTE is cybersecurity, <laughs> health information it's technology. It's, yeah, but it's, it's, and even if it is, it's preparing <laughs> students. <laughs> you know, yeah. But it's not. It, you know, it's not stop class right. advanced manufacturing, right? Like it, it is. It's skills and, and things that will put students on path to two things, right? Our students can come out career ready, but they also can come out college ready. And for, again, you know, I speak about my own experience. I have to work every single year of college. Like, that was a non-negotiable. And so if, our, if we're positioning our students to come out, we need them to come out ready for the workforce. And if they're pursuing higher education, we want to make sure that there's some credits in their backpack to, to kickstart their the next phase of their career. We're in the, our biggest investment um, right now is in high-impact tutoring. We're investing $41 million wow. targeted at our average Great. students for, yeah, that they have access to high-impact tutoring across our oh, I am our so system. in favor of that. I am so in yeah. favor of that. I can't, I can't tell you. I work with a lot of the companies that provide that service, and i got to tell you, it makes a tremendous difference, a tremendous difference for these kids. You're doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, and because it's you know things like you and I know if if families have access to more, they'll sign up and pay for their students to get tutors. We're trying to normalize tutoring across the district, Absolutely. and for us to be able to provide this service, it's just critical, and it's it's exciting to see how schools and community have come together to really make that program live throughout our system. So those are those are some of the things. When I think about those what's next, great. it's reimagining our high schools. It's continuing our investments and our little, little learners, um, every single investment you make in a child from birth through kindergarten literally kickstarts their academic and educational journey. And so I'm really proud that Mayor Bowser continues to make historic investments in early childhood cool. education. Uh, those investments play out in our school system, and reimagining high school makes sure that it plays out in the life of a child when they leave our doors and go off into the world.
Right. It is so important. And you just said these are, these are fairly tough economic times for a lot of people. Inflation is nuts, et cetera. You, can save, you are saving people thousands and thousands of dollars on college. It gives them the opportunity, okay, to go to yeah. college, okay, and make it, a, make it affordable. And your word that you kept using over and over again was reimagining. Okay, and we are we have been stuck in a system that started in 1842. Okay, and that's <laughs> the only system that we don't need to be stuck in 1842. And it's time we thought outside of the back box and reimagined this stuff. And that's exactly what we need to do. Okay, because the kids are different, the world is different, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We got to reimagine it and make it work. Education has to challenge Christina that. Everybody went to school, so they think school should be exactly like it was when they were there, okay? And yeah. that's wrong, okay? That's, that's one of the challenges we have, okay? People, oh, it was good enough for me, okay? I didn't have a computer. Why do all these kids need a computer, okay? The world's changed, and education fights that all the time, okay? And I'll tell you, the word reimagining, that's what we've got to do, okay? You're doing a great job down there. It is a pleasure to know you kind of a Philly girl. I'll give you that. Okay. From Philly. You know, Philly has adopted me. They they took me in. And so I feel like I earned it. I was there when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And so um, there I you feel go. like I earned it. That so that makes you Philadelphia. One last question. Okay. And I won't even ask you Pat's or Gino's. I'll say, what's your favorite cheesesteak if you have one? Do you know? Do you remember? Uh, so I would say Delisandro's over Pat's and Gino's. But that's that's okay. how you know, yes. you know. Um, yeah. And I'm really, I'm like a traditionalist, so everything. <laughs> okay. I'm a John's Roast Pork guy down in South Philly, okay? Oh. So Pas- I think it's Passing Oak Avenue. You ever check that place? Yeah. Okay? That's a okay. <laughs> when you oh, go back, check it out. <laughs> Christine, it's wonderful to know you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay? Bye. Have a good day. Thank you. We'll talk you again. Too. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs> wow, what a great lady, okay? And, and congrats to Mayor, Mayor Bowser for finding her. But she left Philly, for goodness sakes. That's Dr. Christina Grant, okay? And uh, over in uh, the Washington, D.C. State Superintendent, which is just this fascinating hierarchy over there. And then that partnership between uh, public and private, you know, I think it's incredibly important. Okay, public and private, excuse me, public and charter. Okay, it, it, I just think it's the way of the world, reimagining education in Washington, D.C. We're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org. Check out what we do over there. It's all about equity, all about access, and everything's free. Okay, check it out. I'm Larry Jacobs. Thank you, Christina. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.